welcome to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast that's always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And Kevin, uh, joining us this week to talk GoldenEye 007, we have internet personality of note and friend to the people. It's Stacy Molsky. Hello, Stacy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Today we're, we're going to be talking GoldenEye 007, and I wanted to ask about James Bond. Uh, Stacy, are are you a big fan of James Bond? Or at least, sorry, of the movies. I don't want to. I don't want to make claims about the <laughs> character as a whole. Not yet, anyway. I am indeed. So I have an older brother, and he owned every James Bond movie on VHS. So I grew up watching all of them. But I don't. I honestly think, even to this day, having seen some of them over and over, not sure I could really describe the plot of any of them. <laughs> yeah, I still have an, 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 like. I still love them so much. The only one I haven't seen, though, is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Still haven't seen it. I've tried like four times. Is that the first one? No, that's the one with George Lazenby. Yeah, no, it's, well, we, I've seen it on Netflix, too. It's just, it's a real one. It's in canon. It's just, uh, it's George Lazenby who's in it for one movie. And I remember watching the first 10, mo- ten minutes and just going, okay, wh- which one is James Bond? And why are they fighting in slow motion on a beach? <laughs> so I just never got through it. <laughs> but... Does he still have all of the, does your brother still have all of the James Bond films on VHS? Oh, absolutely. And I still have a TV that has a built-in VHS player that still works. Could he be recording copies of Skyfall onto VHS just for that (laughs) express purpose? We really should. (laughs) I wonder if there is a secondhand, like, bootleg market for making VHS copies of Blu-rays. Probably. Just to see what happens. Cassettes are coming back, so anything can happen. We could have mixed VHSs of James, of favorite James Bond moments. So are they are they all stretched out now? So like when you're watching some of these old cassettes of of James Bond movies, is it like even slower the action scenes because <laughs> the tape has been stretched so much? I, you know, I'd have to go watch again, but probably. Do you have a favorite James Bond movie? I really like the two Gold movies, Goldfinger, and I do really like Golden Eye as a movie, despite the fact that the rest of Pierce Brosnan's movies were pretty terrible. Although I love him as James Bond, and I always will, um, I think Goldeneye was was actually really good. It was a pretty good movie. And Goldfinger, obviously, is just, I think, everyone's favorite. Sure. Sean Connery. Yeah. The guy who was German who couldn't speak English well enough, so they had to dub over every single one of his lines. It's a fun fact. <laughs> Not Sean Connery, I'm sorry. Obviously, the guy who played uh, Goldfinger. Yeah, they never dub over his lines. Not <laughs> right. even Hunt for Red October. What about you, Kevin? What's your favorite? My favorite James Bond? Well, my favorite James Bond doesn't exist yet. I... I do read the books. <laughs> yeah. After Daniel Craig, that they give the job to uh, Idris Elba. Do you guys know Idris Elba? I do. I've heard a lot about that, too. He's on The Wire. He's on... He's Luther. If you watch some BBC America, he's Luther. He's a handsome man. He's handsome, devilishly charming, Jim. He's everything you want James Bond to be. And he's tall, and he's like he can fill out a he can fill out a suit. Let's just say it. But he's not Scottish. Everyone has a problem with him not being Scottish. And I'm like, come on now, like it's a fictional character. We could he could be whatever we want him to be. It's, I mean, people had a problem with Daniel Craig being blonde. It's like a lot of charges that people levy against cosplayers when someone just walks up to someone in a costume. Like that's not how I imagine that character to be, and that's just like somehow an acceptable behavior at times. You're like, well, I don't like that you're trying new things. My thought of favorite favorite Bond movie, I think it was, honestly, I think it was World is Not Enough. And there's two reasons for that. That's another Pierce Brosnan film, Mm -hmm. I think. 
One, because Garbage did the opening song. And like, what? What? Okay. I I was exci- I was a super big Garbage fan. I still kind of am, but for very different reasons now. And the plot of that film seemed possibly the most plausible of any of any Bond film, or even to the point where I was wondering if that sort of thing happens. It's where, like, a media tycoon is like, I'm not selling enough papers. I'm gonna start a war between two countries just so I can, just so I can sell more papers. And I'm like, well, that's kind of how the media works right now. It's like, we're just gonna, we're, we're going to make things into issues to get, to draw people into them. So why not have, like, a wag the dog kind of effect to it? Sure. Is that the one with uh? And it's it's like this huge boat, right? The super boat. Yeah, the stealth boat. <laughs> the yeah. stealth boat. Yeah, right. That's all I remember. Is like there's stealth boat. There is the super henchman who I don't know if he has a name, but he is just like that a big Euro- Eastern European guy who I guess is now like he is about as typical as as James Bond is as a character. Is that every villain needs a large Eastern European bodyguard? Um, like the kind of person that would show up, I guess maybe in a, in like a Guy Ritchie film, just to show up once, deliver a line, punch a guy, and then they're gone. <laughs> so what is it about James Bond films, uh, that really kind of fascinate you, that really interest you? I think it's just that they're sort of fun. They're kind of ridiculous. A lot of the lines he says are just awful, but they're still funny. It's action, some of it seemingly for no real reason. Also, it's British, and I've always loved things that are British. I don't think I was even given the choice to like them. I was just brought up upon them. And so they're they're built within me now as just a thing I have to love. But I don't know. I could just sit down and enjoy one every single time, even if I don't know what's happening. I still enjoy it. Um, there's always ridiculous henchmen. There's ridiculous, like, bad guys. It's just, it's great. Like, I always wonder how James, like, James Bond movies, like, that is almost a genre now. It's where... And there's there's a lot of imitators now. Is where you have like your I guess your Jack Reacher or your um, uh, what was the the Keanu Born. Reeves one? Yeah, um, or just like you know that is we're gonna have yeah the Bourne movies. Like we're gonna have other I guess other super agents in action movies. Yet somehow maybe oh, maybe Bourne was an exception here, but like they generally always flop. And it may just be because I guess Bond has this legacy to it, mm-hmm. but also because. Maybe they're just better movies. I don't know. I also, I'm not a huge fan of the more recent ones. But you don't like you don't like dark and gritty James Bond. You like light and loose James Bond, Jim. No, I just didn't think the last two movies were that great. I just didn't think they were very good movies. Although I do appreciate a good Home Alone moment in Skyfall. Oh, absolutely. I was just wishing that they would just drop Maxbox cars down the stairs just for all the bad guys to just. Yeah, they did not have enough glass ornaments. Yeah. They crash, they destroy a helicopter with matchbox cars. <laughs> right. I had to go to the bathroom during that movie, and that was a movie that I decided to finally just see alone. And I left right before that whole setup, so I came back and was just so confused. All of a sudden, James Bond is in an old house with an old man. I was like, is that his dad? That can't be his dad. He's an orphan. What is happening? And then I was just like, oh, it's, yeah, it's home alone. Okay, I'll just enjoy it for what it is. You're right. Papa Bond's finally here. Old Grampy Bond. The dad, Papa Papa Bond. Originally, they wanted Sean Connery to be Papa Bond. Aww. Which would have been so fucking cool to have Sean Connery roll up in, in, a, in a modern Bond movie, right? Am I, it would have been the coolest thing. Uh, I, would, uh, I would love uh, it. 
I could see the problem, but it's I would a little love it. too on the nose, a little too like there's too much winking at the audience there. Maybe at some point, like if he just turned to the camera and just like smiled and winked, and then just like and then just the 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 credits would roll. There would be like this big circle, like the um there would be a a circle wipe that would just center on his face just for a little longer, <laughs> uh-huh. and then Porky Pig would come out saying, "That's all, folks." Out of a Papa Bond, and then he's like, oh yeah, all your brothers are here on the farm, and then like, here's Brosnan <laughs> rolls right. up. We'll be right back on One More Turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're talking GoldenEye 007. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Stacy. Jim, Stacy. As Jim mentioned, we are playing GoldenEye 007. I typed it into Excel, and it just says GoldenEye 7, so that's how I'm calling it. <laughs> I don't think that's okay, but all right. So, originally released in 1997, developed by Rare, published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64, GoldenEye 007 kind of considered a kind of the, one of the best games on that system, if not one of the best, one of the most influential first-person shooters, specifically for consoles. Uh, previously, you know, normally I kind of tell you what games have been developed around that time, but I was more fascinated by Rare's history of gaming. They made games like RC Pro-Am, John Elway's Quarterback, Silent Service. These are games of my youth. Uh, okay, well, I mean, John, that... John Elway is the James Bond of football. <laughs> <laughs> he, kind of, he really is. Battletoads, I mean, Killer Instinct, Banjo-Kazooie. You know, they they they're just they just put out the hits, is, is basically, until Perfect Dark, and then they put out the misses so uh the, the big thing about golden eye was that it's is like i said it was kind of a big game for first person shooters specifically on consoles and i think uh two things that kind of critics cite as it being important is that it pushed forward stealth elements in first person shooters and uh added sniper zoom which i'm not sure if sniper zoom was like around in first person shooter games before golden it gets eye. credited it gets credited um it had like i think it had um you could set it instead of just having like one mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And specifically, and, and finally, the last, probably most important, well, I think what most people remember it for is the multiplayer, uh, local multiplayer for it. I mean, everybody played, well, I don't know about YouTube, but I know I did. I played four-player bond modes and, and multi, had multiplayer death matches. So, uh, Stacey, you picked this game. I did. I- I'm curious, why, why Goldeneye? Why... Why I think this is our first Nintendo 64 game too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Probably so. applicable because it is pretty much a 20 year old system. <laughs> but I do still actively play. I have one right now, three feet away from me, a Nintendo 64. Uh, but GoldenEye is just one of those games that it it was fun every single time. It was different every single time, and never got old. It was related to one of my favorite movies, which was exciting. But I also loved the single player version of it as well as the multiplayer and it was sort of the first thing it was the first shooter game i ever played for sure but it was the first thing that i kind of got to play with my brother and his friends too so instead of just playing with my friends i could you know sit with these people who are older than me and have fun still while his friends were over and not have to go to some other room but it's a game that i i still play 17 years later and it is still just as fun which is crazy like like sure everyone looks like boxes but it's great. So it's just something I've always loved and will always love. Have you played many shooter games since then? Not really. I did play Perfect Dark because it's pretty much GoldenEye with aliens. And I liked that. But I'm really, I don't play that many 
new games that are shooter games. Most of the new games I play are sort of adventure games. That I don't know. I guess that wasn't the main draw to me. It was sort of just the the fun aspect of playing out my favorite movie and playing with all of these different people just in one room having fun. Right, absolutely. How um also as you said, it was an old because you were playing with your older brother and his friends as as a as the youngest in my family, that automatically means uh older brother and friends equals it is cooler than anything that I experience. <laughs> right. And to an extent, I still sort of feel that way. Yeah, and I totally had a, a transformation with it, too, because I think the first time I played it, I was maybe 11, and I was terrified of it. But I didn't really want to let on that I was terrified, because we had rumble packs. Wait, wait, so. wait how, did, how was it terrifying? I was so scared of, of... I was so bad at it when I first started, and that I just knew that doors sort of equaled death, because I didn't understand, like... There was somehow always somebody waiting for me behind a door, so I would just open a door and get shot, and my rumble pack would go off, and I would just have, like, scared, sweaty, 11-year-old hands, and I was just so scared of dying every time, and then at some point, I think I transitioned to being like, oh, uh, it's okay to die in a video game, <laughs> and I just did, then I started having fun. Also, in a way, it's training you for modern military tactics too, because right. doors doors are ref- doors are referred to as the windows of death. <laughs> right. You stand, you open a door, you stand in the doorway. That is not what you do. <laughs> I like how you you felt genuine fear and like terrified, as if as if to die in the video game was to like kind of die, make you feel a little like you die in real life. Well, here's ultimately the thing, right? Is you are often playing as James Bond, maybe not so much in the in the multiplayer mode. You're playing as whomever, and we can get into that later. But I'm not. I don't know about you, but I'm not James Bond. I'm not nearly as good as whatever James Bond is supposed to be doing in these games. So that is terrifying. <laughs> it's all of a sudden there are all these uh, secret agents and double agents, all with guns drawn on me, at me, or slappers, or rocket launchers, or whatever. <laughs> so I feel general genuine terror because I am not trained by this. I have not been. I do not have the arsenal that has been get granted to me by peoples of letter. It's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's so funny is I think this. I mean, like I said, this game came out in '97, didn't? Goldeneye come out in 95, the movie? Yeah, it was 95 or 96. I don't remember, but yeah. So, like, people had, like, people already knew the movie. Like, they knew the whole story of the movie. So all, like, they're really doing is recreating it. And, you know, most of the times with these adaptations, they come out at the same time as so as one does not spoil the other, it seems like. But, like, it, it was... Uh, so people, like, not only knew it, but knew it really well. So you're playing through it, and you kind of, like... I don't know about you, but this movie came on TBS, like, every day. <laughs> right. There's a lore about that and the development of this is that this game, this game, this wasn't the first GoldenEye that was made, is that there was in development a previous one on, on Super Nintendo that eventually got canceled. And mm. so like this one that was originally supposed to be like a virtual cop type game where it's just like it takes you through the movie and you shoot at baddies that just pop up. <laughs> And actually, you can still see a little bit of that in some of the more maybe like linear levels. I think like the dam, for example. But it basically kind of took on a light of its own because of the N64 as like, I'm going to say the power, one, the power of it, but also the controller and being able to allow movement and aiming with that single, with the single stick that is responsible for 90% of the calluses on my hands. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I'm just going to throw out a fun fact here. Speaking of the controller, there's two fun facts about the controller in my mind. One. One is the weirdest looking thing ever. It's like an M. <laughs> yeah. It's a spaceship. It is entirely a spaceship. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, this is one of those games where it perfectly utilized the controller to its fullest function kind of thing. I don't know, they, they, you know, it's one of those where like they designed the game perfectly or really well to the controller. Maybe not perfectly. And two, I don't know if you guys know this, but originally, if you had a rumble pack, reloading involved unhooking the rumble pack and hooking it back in. Oh, what? I bet Nintendo did not like that. <laughs> I imagine it would break pretty quick, <laughs> but it would be awesome. That is absolutely true. I kind of like the idea of this is my this is now my rockets that I'm putting into my controller <laughs> yeah. in this tiny little pack, <laughs> this tiny little pack that's here. But I, again, I kind of like that idea in trying to like in simulating the aspect of or at least sim- simulating the action that's there in a way that like arcade game like arcade light gun games kind of do. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. normally you just to reload, you shoot off the screen. You know, we all do that in real life. No, no, Kevin. You put <laughs> oh. your hand in front of the gun, oh, and as you're right. shooting, you cover it. So, Kevin, uh, you said you played this a bunch. Yeah. With friends as well. Like, did you have? Do you have similar experiences with the game? What is your personal history with GoldenEye zero zero seven? Oh yeah, yeah zero zero seven oh seven. I I owned it. I owned a Nintendo sixty four. Nintendo sixty four, the first console I bought with my own money. So this kind of game was some way kind of held a special place in my heart because it was probably one of the only games that I paid for with my job as paper boy or whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell I was, <laughs> the hell I was saving money, <laughs> my $5 a week allowance or something like, uh, so yeah, but this became like a big rallying point between me and all my high school friends. Like it would just be go to Kyle's house, hook up the, hook up my Nintendo 64, everybody come over and we'll be on that thing until four in the morning or until dawn summers were just that like summers like there was probably like an entire summer of like 98 or whenever this came out <laughs> of me just playing this game over an entire summer with my buddies this and dragon ball gt for playstation one so you wonder like did your parents ever actually see you during that summer or was this like a summer camp moment you've just tricked everyone into <laughs> oh yeah every, yeah we're going to camp there's a 500 dollars entry fee or sign on <laughs> what, what is it? What is it called when you pay someone for a service or good, and then you just disappear in a friend's basement for the entire summer? Well, look, that's a whole other story. Whether my parents saw me or not for long stretches of time. Uh, no, this was this is what I liked about it. It literally would be like eight o'clock or six o'clock. We'd all hang out, and it'd be like, all right, well, we're go- let's go to whatever mall tonight and hang out. And then by like you'd start playing, and then it'd be like eleven. Hey, are we gonna go to that mall? No, let's just keep playing. <laughs> and then it'd be like four a.m. Hey, are we gonna go home? Ah, let's just keep going. Like, it would just be hours and hours of us wasting our lives. Well, not wasting, but enjoying our lives. Bonding. Yeah. Yeah, with Odd Job and Jaws and all, all the rest. All the, all the whole gang was there. It's great. <laughs> Even Grace Jones. How about you, Jip? So, I kind of came on late to, to GoldenEye in that, I, so I didn't own it in, in N64. This was, I guess, the time when I started playing more computer games. I, a lot of my friends were playing GoldenEye. I showed up very late to it, and as such, was terrible at this game. And to this day, I still kind of am. Um, I always have difficulty, I have difficulty using a controller to aim a thing. I, you could see, you could, you could go back through my old records, uh, you know, eventually if I die and I'm getting judged for this, the Gates of Heaven, it's just, I'm just going to have a stream there of all the time I spent playing Pokemon Snap and took the worst <laughs> photos uh, imaginable, which I guess if you looked through uh, if you looked through my iPhone right now and looked at the photos that I've taken, you might understand. 
I'm really bad at console shooters. Even to this day, I'm terrible at it. And the N64 controller doesn't help me a ton with that. No. So while this does fit in a category of games that I recognize and respect as being good games, a lot of people have fun. I respect that people are having fun. I am so bad at this game. Uh, it's like GoldenEye, uh, Counter-Strike, Perfect Dark, any of these games I am the worst at. But I think also... It, it may have impacted in a very negative way that some of my friends played this game enough not only to memorize the maps, but to memorize the spawn order oh, wow. in these maps. Okay, I never got to that. That's respectful. That's I don't know, that that border that borders on being me very respecting that person and being very scared for that person <laughs> right. for memorizing that. I thought I was bad because I memorized the caves level. So whenever we would hit random every time on the multiplayer, and whenever we hit caves, everyone knew that they were all just going to die, because I would hide in every little corner, and I knew how to get everywhere, and they thought that was terrible, but I definitely didn't know where people would, would respawn. That's too much. I like playing with house rules often, where like if someone doesn't have a weapon, yeah. Yeah. let them get a weapon. In this case, it was, oh, some I get aced by this person, I then respawn after 10 seconds, and they're there. Like, they're right there. That was not my idea of a great time. Oh, Jim, you're playing with the wrong people. <laughs> oh, I now realize that. I now do. Especially in order to compete, everyone else needed that knowledge as well. And so being this outsider in this, I didn't I didn't last very long. I was just, I was an entity that was like the world's fastest phoenix. I would <laughs> rise from the ashes every 10 seconds and immediately just dissipate into the aether. Yeah, that sounds awful. You should come over and we will play again the proper way. Meaning yeah. late at night and I'm just yelling things in different accents the whole time. Probably <laughs> running in circles around you shooting you <laughs> the most effective way. <laughs> I have a capture card so we could even record that and release that in the episode. <laughs> I will do this. So hold on. House rules. You mentioned house rules, Jim. Oh, uh, okay. Quickly get into some of these house rules that, that you think are, are make a optimal GoldenEye experience. So there's a lot of different modes in this game, as as if the listener is very aware of. And everyone has, everyone has their favorites that, that they will stick to. I mean, whether it is rocket launchers in rocket launchers in the caves or um I don't know, proximity mines on the train. Proximity mines in the library, I think, was always my favorite. Mm -hmm. Because specifically, it's, okay, we need to check everything for mines. <laughs> but there's a lot of sharp corners everywhere because you're working in bookshelves. It was like using the skills that I had developed in losing everything that I owned, such that as I'm rummaging through my room, looking for the very smallest details, whether it's my wallet, looking for my keys, I get to use that knowledge in real life. It's, what's the hardest place to look for something that would kill me? Oh, I have that similar experience in my day-to-day -day life, just with maybe a little bit less uh, severity of consequence. So these house rules or are these just general ways you guys will play? I mean, when I mean house rules, I'm talking like, uh, don't stare at my screen. Oh, screen looking. Oh, I definitely looked at some screens. We didn't, that wasn't one of our rules. The only rule with, that we really had was the, uh, don't, don't kill anyone until they get a weapon. But if I didn't have a gun, I would absolutely just go straight for the person with a gun and just slap them, hoping I would steal their gun. Sometimes it worked. <laughs> so. If you have to choose the uh, the setup for your multi for a multiplayer game, you're sitting there with three friends. Mm -hmm. What's your setup? I like to pick Boris. 
I used to pick odd job, but then I found out, and everyone thinks odd job is like an advantage, but I just got shot in the head all the time with odd job because he's right at gun level. Um, so I pick Boris. I like pistols because I like using the Magnum. And because anything that explodes, I tend to get a lot of the uh, Lemming Awards. Not the, not the best with the explosions. And then I... You have to make sure they work. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and then I, I do like caves. I'm a big fan of caves. But I also like the uh, temple, which is the one where there's like... I don't know if you remember. There's huge doors you have to open. Um, and then there's just this big main space that has a hole cut out, too. So people are underneath. And you just that's generally where everyone goes. And then there's some big melee there. But we always do random. We don't get to pick. We always we always hit random for level. Yeah, Temple is my buddy's favorite. And we'd always do... Two, we'd, always, we'd try to limit it to just two weapons. I think there was one that setting that was uh, bazookas and proximity mines. That's intense. And it was, <laughs> yeah. So you lay a bunch of proximity mines and then everyone has bazookas. So you're running scared you like you see someone you just run because you're one shot right. death but then you're running carefully it was like yeah it was a pretty pretty fun it was usually like the last one of the night like when we just wanted total right. mayhem i always really liked i i was always a big fan of the library and also the train level like the train level was pretty intense because i don't think i hadn't played anything like it although if i remember it was a the layout of the train was pretty crazy because i don't think it would be that interesting a level if it's just like Oh, there is one aisle way that you can walk down. Real quick, where was the train in the movie? That's a, yeah, there's well, a train never, in the movie. I, yeah, it's okay. in there. <laughs> it's the big scene where he grabs uh, the lady and they run out of the train. There's a train explosion. They dive. Oh, right, because there's the train, and as it's exploding and running through, I always thought the head of the train looks like Sam the Eagle from The Muppets. <laughs> I'll put up an image of this, because uh, it definitely looks like Sam the Eagle. <laughs> That level was tough in the single player because you had to use your laser watch. You had to like laser watch the floor off and there's a time element too. Anything with a time element just freaked me out. Oh, oh, absolutely. Although I really like the use of the watch, which is like when you pause the game and you look at the watch. That's such a cool effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I eventually, I mean, we did a lot of multiplayer, but I did, my brother and I still will play the single player because we're just, we're still trying to beat it on Double O Agent. And we are stuck on one level that we've been playing for years. We'll just go home for a holiday and we'll just sit down and play it for like two hours. <laughs> but we eventually had to stop because we started just losing our minds. Like, And the Switch came, despite the fact that I was the one who was scared of it forever. Somehow it came that I started becoming better at these. So I'm always <gasps> the one playing. I know. It was a big revelation. So I'm playing and he's there like, guy on your right, guy on your left. But there's the one where you have to protect Natalia. Mm-hmm. And then people just flood this one main room and it's it was the hardest part for us to get to and finally one day i actually got through it but i was so used to pausing and aborting like the minute you get shot once you just pause abort because you know that like you need that life and you're not going to keep going so i just paused after this because i was freaking out and so excited and i just automatically hit abort and then i just laughed like a crazy person (laughs) put it down and just like walked into the kitchen like ha 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 like i just aborted it and then that's when we decided we probably should take a break (laughs) because my brother wasn't sleeping i was having like palpitations (laughs) but we tried again over thanksgiving and i uh i got to about the same part and then i was like i'm gonna go play epic mickey which is for children So, but at least you have that knowledge then that you that you are capable. Your hands, your gun yeah. hands, are capable mm-hmm. of protecting this woman in need. I've come a really, really long way. <laughs> You're a regular zero zero seven out there. One of those ooh sevens. 
We'll be right back on One More Dirt. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're talking GoldenEye 007. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Stacy. 007, Jim? He's come around. <laughs> what they're not mentioning is during the break time, uh, some people showed up to my door. I thought it was a singing telegram. Actually, it was people browbeating me into referring to this title in the way that it is meant to be said. People act quickly on Twitter. I thought you were just going to take this to its natural conclusion just start like, talking in emojis like it'd be like a piece of gold the letter n <laughs> the letter i here's one picture plus another picture plus another thing minus this i think ultimately that that was the that may have been the predecessor to emojis yeah classic concentration hosted by alex trebek i think we all remember that show what i did not know he hosted anything before jeopardy Kevin, remember, you're talking you're talking to two millennial babies oh, here. It was fantastic. It was just look oh, yeah. I'm not gonna explain it because it's too yeah. mind blowing, but it's it's a Tell us about Yeah. Tell us about the history of Alex Trebek, Papa Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you could win a car every episode. That's all I'm gonna say. What? Uh, yeah. Did people return? Could they could just keep getting more and more cars? Just Fifty cars. You just stack your cars. How do I insure all of these? That's a different show. So one thing that I one thing about about Goldeneye 007, I think this was like one of the first games to have objectives in the game. It wasn't just we're gonna get from point A to point B in a level, right? Like this was just purely here are some things you need to accomplish. Here is your here's your mission, and that mission changed based on the difficulty. Yeah, you know what it felt like. It felt like the levels were a little almost. At- I know they're linear, but they almost felt like a little more open world in a sense, each level. And you had to like basically go through a checklist before you could hit that final exit button or whatever the Doom equivalent is. It's more exploratory. It's like it's like you're going to the mall. And like maybe a mall you're unfamiliar with. At least, you know, for the first time you're playing it. Oh, here are the things I need to get, whether it's from the Sam Goody or like the GNC. But you don't know where those things are. Right. Not all the objectives were the same. They weren't just like, go from point A to B, then B to C, then C to D. It was more like, Stacy was saying, don't let, don't let Natalia die this whole episode or this whole level. Oh, is that an objective for this episode? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that there were objectives for this episode. Oh, yeah. I have them right here. I've been writing them down the whole time. I've been checking each one off. I don't know if you've, I've been really distracted. I'm only playing on agent. So (laughs) yeah, I've been trying to get Natalia to not talk into the microphone is pretty tough, guys. Yeah, that was the hard part, too, is, like, I would get, you'd get far in a level, and then you would just do something wrong, or, like, you'd run out of time on something, or someone would get shot, and it would just be, objective failed, and you knew you had to give up. For me, it was always the jungle level. It was, like, disable three guns, and then you get, like, all the way to the end, and then you're like, you missed a gun. And I'm like, god damn it, I gotta go all the way back to this jungle just to disable a gun. I shot the guy at the gun. Secretly, I kind of want to watch that Bond movie. Where it's not necessarily like a comedy of errors where it's this inept secret agent, but rather one that just made a pretty simple mistake that, yes, while this is a super trained uh, hyper mega assassin, that's their official title, Mm -hmm. they still are human and therefore will make mistakes as such. Well, I think that's sort of the the Daniel Craig idea. Like when Daniel Craig came on, I think he was supposed to be sort of the young, um, he'll mess up more here and there. So that's why I think he was sort of an interesting like reboot. Though he's no Pierce Brosnan. 
It's true. He's not quite. He's not exactly. that handsome. Pretty handsome. <laughs> well, he's a rugged handsome. Right. Like Pierce Brosnan's like a classic handsome. Exactly. Daniel Craig's like a handsome. He's like a. You, you meet him in a bar and you'd be like, "That's a handsome bartender or something." <laughs> you know, he's like a rugged handsome. He's a handsome bouncer. <laughs> it's like the difference between like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt versus um versus John Hamm. Right. Yeah. There's. But what we're saying is there's different categories of handsome in the world. All of them are suitable. Yes. Yeah, true. Everyone's. All of the handsomes are acceptable. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was so funny you mentioned Daniel Craig as they. I played the. Oh, 007 Wii reimagining of this game. Ugh, me too. And, you know, it was all right. <laughs> it was a game. <laughs> it had Goldeneye in the title. It existed. It wasn't terrible. It was just there. What is a reimagining of this? Is it like a cover song? Like, what? what is this game's objective? Why Why did they make a new one? As as you know, Jim, 2010 was the year of reimaginings and reboots. Like, I feel like there was a period where, like, all media was like, we're going to reboot everything. Devil May Cry got a reboot around that time. Mm. That was just the G.I. Joe movies. Yeah. That was the first Transformers movie. Okay. Yeah, and they're like, well, hey, everyone loves Daniel Craig. Let's just put him in this cool game. Oh. And everyone loves Goldeneye. Let's just... <laughs> it was so weird to me that Daniel Craig was in it. That made me just irrationally angry. <laughs> Could you play as different Bonds no. in that movie? No. That as far as I know, you just had to be Daniel Craig. He wasn't in it. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I think I even bought, like, you could get some weird edition of GoldenEye. I remember being excited for it, and I think I got, like, the Golden Wii controller or something with it. I got some special oh, yeah. controller. But uh, I guess part of the reason they re- they did that is so that people could try and play this shooting game with the, the motion technology of the Wii, which I was very bad at. I I kind of I always liked it. I feel like that was the closest thing a game ever got to a mouse and keyboard. I know there's a whole controller versus keyboard thing in first person shooters. Like, what's the most optimal way to play? And I I liked I liked the little you know like I had a little gun in my hand. I feel like I could do that reload motion finally <laughs> that, that they had only dreamed of so many years ago. But yeah, they made even a sequel after that, and it was like 007 Legends, and it was just basically here's Daniel Craig in every single James Bond movie. <laughs> Oh man, that's I was hoping there'd be like a multiplayer mode where you could play as all of the different bonds like against each other. They should do that. I've had that. I'm not sure. I want to be the Roger Moore Bond and you can be Pierce Brosnan. You can be Benedict Cumberbatch and we can fight each other to see who's the best <laughs> bond. I jumped I guess sorry, I guess I jumped the gun. Which also is pretty weird, you know, who the characters that were that were chosen for this game. Like, obviously, it's there's the movie, and therefore there are going to be a number of characters from that movie. But then it's like, we're going to have the classic, classic Bond characters in it. And it's, oh, we're going to get this, like, weird racist wizard from a previous oh, one. Oh, Baron Samdi. <laughs> like, what? Is that Baron Samdi? The guy who, like, walked on his... Yeah. I definitely played as him quite a few times. <laughs> his model is ripped, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like the most, it's the most angular abs, I think, in existence. <laughs> it looks like a tic-tac-toe board. Well, it's it's a wizard, you know, wizards all, that's all they do all day is lift. They work on their core a lot. It's, they work on their key, which of course then translates into having, it's an illusion, I guess, maybe. And, but like some of the other characters in it, you'd mentioned, you know, Oddjob previously, which I know was always house ruled out of, you could never play as Oddjob. Specifically, it was because I think there was, there's an auto-aim in the game. And the auto-aim would miss Oddjob. That was specifically it. 
It's like, yeah, you, you could aim a little bit more, but for people that were using the auto-aim, it just completely just went over his head. Which, on the same time, you know, when you have characters like Jaws or the super bad, like the, the bad guy, I forget what his name is, they have big hats or they're very tall. So, therefore, the, they actually take more shots. Like, it's harder to miss them. Which maybe was like an oversight in terms of balance. I wonder about that. Maybe it's just a way for really good players to, like, handicap themselves. <laughs> like, if you play with someone who's too good... The local play is Joss. Oh, I see. Like, when I come over to your place to play Goldeneye, uh, you're going to be getting Joss. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you could be our job. Oh, do I get a hat move? You know what? I don't think you do, and that's just such an oversight. <laughs> well, let me ask, Jim, you mentioned off-air, is this a good Bond game? Is this a good game, or is it a good Bond game? We've had discussions, I guess, of licensed games previously, and about like whether the, this implementation of it is I don't want to say respectful because that's a that's a weird word to use. If it kind of portrays the original material in a, like in a new and possibly interesting fashion that like a video game could do that you ne- couldn't necessarily do in a movie. I wanted to to throw that out there. Like what to you like what makes this a Bond experience? Maybe not necessarily like you know, because you play as Bond, but what felt like a Bond movie about this? Well, I do think it's pretty true to the movie. Um, I think they even take for granted sort of that you know what is going to happen from seeing the movie. But the having different objectives, having people to protect as much as I hated it, having to sort of explore these rooms where sometimes there were rooms that you didn't even need to be in, but they were still there. You sort of had this feeling of having to to go through and, you know, feel a little bit like a secret agent. And you had to sneak around things. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't set off alarms or more guys would come. You just had to be on your guard. So I think it was pretty similar to the movie. It also, you know, it followed the storyline pretty well. I feel like if it were to be truly like the movie, it would have to have way more lady time in it, which it doesn't. (laughs) But other than that, I think it's uh, pretty close. Yeah, in in a way, I kind of wonder when you're saying that when as you're exploring these levels, it's like you are exploring the scenes of the movie a bit more than you kind of would otherwise. It's almost like a behind-the-scenes sort of scenario, but still within the context and confines of the movie itself. Like, it's not like you're running into a back room and there's a lighting crew there or the craft (laughs) services table that you could just, you know, go grab some macaroni and cheese to refill your health. (laughs) Yeah, and also, like, there's other little key elements, like you said stealth. I mean, they give you a silencer. And, like, a big part of getting through a lot of levels is, like, to just take guys out without anybody else in the room knowing. Is this the game where video game silencers just took on this entirely impossible physics? Well, in the movie, they, they're impossible physics, too. Well, it, it's really just like, oh, a silencer means I can shoot gun and it just muffles everything. It just destroys that sound. Where did it go? I don't... Is it just... It's gone. It's now in space. It's shot into space where no one can hear it. Because no one can hear the gun scream. But and now, like, that is like every every video game that has a silencer. It's just like a soft whisper. First off, Q is a wizard in his own right. All right? So he created the silencer that just destroys all sound. I was always wondering if that's, like, the name of the gun. Like it is a silencer, and that and that's like the James Bond school of negotiation. <laughs> oh, if only. Oh, but I have to mention my favorite. My favorite gun name is the Clob, because I would just go around yelling, "I'm gonna clobber you!" Every time I had only a Clob, and it was it never got old, guys. Maybe it got old for everyone else, but Amazing. not for me. <laughs> I had that, and then I had the. Uh, there was some automatic rifle that I just called the pencil gun because it looked like a pencil. 
Yeah, and I still call it that. I forget which one that one was, but it was a good gun. But it was no club. Let's kind of wrap things up. Let's get to our final thoughts here. So, Stacy, you said that you still play this game quite regularly. So maybe a the this game in retrospect is quite fresh because it never really is a retrospect. It just has kept going. So maybe how have how have your thoughts, I guess, on Goldeneye zero zero seven have changed now versus when you were playing it when it was when it was still fresh and new? Well, there's clearly you can tell you know graphics differences and things, but. The fact that I still think it's fun and still find it challenging, I think it means it holds up pretty well. Like, you know, I, there's nothing really that I that I miss from it. And certainly it has that nostalgia appeal, you know, just, just playing something you used to play all the time. But I'm sure there are better games, but I think for the time, it was pretty revolutionary. And it's, it's still fun. I mean, I don't play enough shooters, really, to to compare what a what a current shooter is like now to to what the old one it's is like. It's basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah, that was my understanding is it was smaller boxes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Basically Halo took Goldeneye and made it, you know, a little bit more refined and then everyone just copied that for the last 13 years. All right. Then yeah, it's it probably is uh, doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's either that we either have we either in, have shields, we have that blue bar on the right, or you're just hiding behind a box for half of the game. Those are the only two pieces of innovation in 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 the shooting genre. Yeah, until at least we get a game of of teams of squids shooting ink at each other. So, Kevin, how have your thoughts on Goldeneye has changed from from when you were playing this have, since you have lost summers to it? Yeah, so I, I mean, look the the portion I played the most growing up was the multiplayer with my buddies, but I always like Stacy really liked the single player thing. I liked the increasing objectives with each difficulty i really just enjoyed that whole experience you know yeah it's it's they've improved it other companies have refined what is this what this the the kind of same mechanics as this game but it's awesome you get to be james bond you get to shoot stuff you get to like hide in grates you get to (laughs) silence guys what more do you want in a life you know (laughs) i I don't know it's it still holds up in my mind i still enjoyed it you get to be an action hero. I don't know. I feel like it, it, I feel like it does kind of get the essence of James Bond pretty well. Later James Bond games were, for some reason, always mucked it up. They tried to like make it all, I don't know, Assassin's Creedy or something, but like this one like kind of got, got it right. You just want to be James Bond. You just want to run around. You just want to shoot people with your claw. <laughs> or you want to play, or you want to play as the programmer. With his weird sure. Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Right. The only the only improvement I think, if they do another reimagining of Goldeneye. Another one. How much more can we imagine this? <laughs> just put just put Idris Elba in there. That's all I'm asking. Like just maybe he's not in the movies, just put him in the next Goldeneye game. <laughs> I'm thinking we have there's already Grace Jones in the game. How about we have uh David Bowie as a character? Oh, fun. Never been in a Bond movie, but I don't care. I want I want to play as David Bowie. David Bowie was supposed to be in a Bond movie. I don't know if everyone knows this, but David Bowie was supposed to be Christopher Walken's character. And I think it conflicted with like Labyrinth or something, but it definitely just conflicted with his life and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Mind blown, right? That would have been pretty nuts. There's the reimagining I want. What's crazy is we didn't get Christopher Walken. I was thinking that. That's a mistake. He has like a, his like aiming delivery is like awkward. His like shooting, the way he shoots <laughs> yeah. a gun is like staggered or something. Be cool. A little staccato. <laughs> That's me, Jim. I mean, what about you? What were your, what do you think of Goldeneye 007 all these years later? 
it's as I said, it's it's a little tough to it's a tough to reassess because I had such a negative experience with the game, like to the point where I took it out. I took that out on the game itself. I did not like gold. I didn't like Goldeneye because I didn't like my experiences with the game. It is like it is an anti nostalgia. It is a nostalgia, but not the not the the relaxing kind, but rather the uh, the anxious kind, where it's oh I. That sucked. That was the worst. I don't... I There were better... I had much better times uh, playing video games with friends than Goldeneye. And and because uh, I didn't... You know, I didn't play a lot of console games, I never really saw what the allure kind of was. Um, until I had a friend point this out to me recently, though, that it was the easiest game to get together with friends with, with three other friends because first of all you know the N64 was the first console to just have four ports on the right. game, like on the console built in i mean you could you could get the splitters in earlier consoles but... well right but it came built yeah. in it came standard yeah, yeah. so as someone who played a lot of on the computer to get together with friends and play like doom or quake that that capability did not come built in. You generally had to like, well, quick, get, you know, what, what's your what's your IP address? Let's try to connect in this way, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll need our di- we need to dial up into this, and it's going to cost us sixty bucks an hour or something. And oh, someone's trying to call us, and it's and it's the, the most painful way to try to play a game with friends. Uh, so at least kind of respect, I respect it on that on that point. I kind of wish it maybe wasn't quite as influential as maybe it <laughs> as it is cuz now again we're just seeing even though it may not be the goldeneye name on it you see a lot of like games that are just goldeneye <laughs> and it kind of exhausts me a bit but that all being said I have the utmost respect for the experiences that I guess that everyone around me has with this game I recognize I didn't have those but enough people have that I think I am the outlier here. And so I have to respect, you know, I respect all of your respect. So Stacy, where can people find, find Stacy Molsky? Oh, I'm easy to find. I'm just at Stacy Molsky on Twitter. Pretty much if you, if you go on any platform and look for my name, Stacy Molsky, mm-hmm. you will find me. And that is, and that is a, that is a recommended follow. Stacy Molsky is hilarious. Oh, thanks, Jim. Yeah, I like your your Uh-oh. Charlie Brown dancing. Your Charlie Brown reenact the Charlie Brown dancers. Stacy oh, Mulsky, the Charlie Brown dancers. It's <laughs> my new road show. <laughs> yeah, right. There's uh, Graham Clark reads the phone book. There's Stacy Mulsky dances the Charlie Brown dances. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Stacy. Yeah, thanks for thank coming you guys on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. You're all invited to play Goldeneye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. One More Turn is pre-created and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. Do us a favor, rate us on iTunes or other popular podcaster sites. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, specifically about today's episode in GoldenEye or for Stacy, uh, you can email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us directly on Twitter. I am at Yonder Hillside. Jim is... At Fuzziest Kitty. And Stacy? At Stacy Molsky. IED is courtesy of Pixel Hate off his album The Revolution. You can find more of his music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off Breakbeat's album 2206. So you can find more of Breakbeat's music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what are we going to do next week? 
Well, next week, Jim, get your proximity minds and your bazookas ready because it's show and tell. Anytime there's any general problem, such as all the power going out in Jersey City because a raccoon landed on a transformer, I just call Jim and I'm like, hey, Jim, I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> and he allows it. That was incredibly frustrating. There's always been discussions about how media, about maybe imitations in media, about whether people imitate violent, like violent movies or violent video games. I'm super worried now that a lot of wildlife was watching Guardians of the Galaxy and now every raccoon thinks it's a superhero.